0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast for Book 14, Chapter 7. Petya is searching for a place where something real and heroic is happening. Do you think he will find this at Denisov's detachment? And would you agree with him on that? With what we've seen in this chapter of Petya, do you think he will be a good addition in this partisan war? Ripster66 says this chapter is overflowing with Petya's youthful exuberance. It feels like a throwback to earlier chapters before our other characters had experienced real battles. The problem with searching for heroism in war is that it doesn't really become clear until after the moment. Petcher's searching for the right circumstances for valor is rather fruitless and naive. Petcher seems to have more in common with the French prisoner than the Russian comrade he is so desperately trying to impress. He's also not so great at following orders. I feel like the ground is being laid for him to make some grave errors ahead. I just hope he survives to learn from them. You don't get filled with confidence, do you, by picture? Even, like, Nikolai. You know, it's funny how you say, um, yeah, we don't recognize a heroic moment until after it. And Nikolai had some heroic moments early on, but also, they were just complete flukes where he wasn't really being heroic at all. He just happened to stumble and nearly die and really did nothing useful in the actual war effort. Um, and I th- I reckon Petra sees these commendations his older brother has and thinks he's he can do it as well. But really, his older brother didn't do anything. And furthermore... Petcha just doesn't seem to have quite as much, I don't know, confidence as Nikolai. He's too kind of bashful, isn't he? I've got no reason to believe that he could win a fight. You know, he just seems like a little kid still. Um, so, I don't know, he's in with these heroes, Denizov and this Tikhon guy, He's fallen in with them. He's got big shoes to fill. Angel of Dawn said this, I just caught up after being behind again for a while, and can anyone help me out with piecing together Denisov's journey a bit? My understanding is that he was in the hospital filled with patients with typhus. Side note, in my translation, a soldier called called it the leper colony, and I really did think Denisov would catch leprosy. For a bit after getting in trouble then, I think he sent Rostov to try to get him a pardon and then somehow he ends up back on the battlefield like nothing happened. I think the first we hear of him again is from Andrei's perspective as Denizov is petitioning Kutuzov. I'm not missing anything, right? We don't get to see the pardon being accepted or Denizov leaving the hospital or being brought back into the army. And he doesn't mention it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you've pieced it together. Rahul the Invader says, You are right. It seems those events happened off-screen. Denisov was reinstated. It is assumed that he did not apply for a pardon. Stephen Foxbat says, Petrus sounds like a liability. Still, it's the war that is wrong, not him. True. True, true. Um, FDLP1 says, He's turning into an empathetic young man, and I share your concerns as to what that means during a war. He's just not fit out for a war, is he? That's what that's what it all comes down to. You can't imagine him in a war. Even though we're seeing him in a war. But he just doesn't see he doesn't seem like a warrior. Alright. Um What's our next chapter? Chapter eight. Ready for it? Hope you are, because here it comes. The arrival of Dolokhov diverted Petya's attention from the drummer boy, to whom Denisov had had some mutton and vodka given, and whom he had dressed in a Russian coat so that he might be kept with their band and not sent away with the other prisoners. Petya had heard in the army many stories of Dolokhov's extraordinary bravery and his cruelty to the French, so from the moment he entered the hut, Petya did not take his eyes from him, but braced himself up more and more and held his head high, that he might not be unworthy even of such company. Dolokhov's appearance amazed Petya by its simplicity. Denisov wore a Cossack coat, had a beard, had an icon of Nicholas the Wonder Worker on his breast, and his way of speaking and everything he did indicated his unusual position. But Dolokhov, who in Moscow had worn a Persian costume, had now the appearance of a most correct officer of the guards, He was clean-shaven and wore a guardsman's padded coat with an order of St. George on his buttonhole and a plain forage cap set straight on his head. He took off his wet felt cloak in a corner of the room and, without greeting anyone, went up to Dolokhov and began questioning him about the matter in hand. Denisov told him of the designs the large detachments had on the transport of the message Petra had brought and his own replies to both generals. Then he told him all he knew of the French detachment. That's so. But we must know what troops they are and their numbers, said Dolikov. It will be necessary to go there. We can't start the affair without knowing for certain how many there are. I like to work accurately. Here now, wouldn't one of these gentlemen like to ride over the French camp with me? I have brought a spare uniform. I'll just pause for a second to remind... You probably all are across it but we've got Denisov and Dolikov Denisov is the guy with the weird sort of lisp accent thing good dude a good dude um jovial uh he's the one that was sick and you know um kind of left in that leper colony Dolikov is the swashbuckler who slept with Pierre's wife Helena and then they they had a duel and Pierre shot him um Right at the very start of the novel, Dolokhov was this kind of cool, swashbuckling dude who Pierre was trying to impress, and that was the night that they, they went out and danced with a bear and everything. Our introduction to Dolokhov was him sitting on the balcony drinking alcohol, and Pierre wanting to do it as well. So that's those two characters here. We've got them meeting up now, Denisov and Dolokhov, and Petjes there as well, and Tikhon, this new, also badass character. Got a merry band of men here. All right. Um, There's no need for you to go at all," said Denisov, addressing Dolokhov. "And as for him, I won't let him go on in any account." "I like that," exclaimed Petya. "Petya, why shouldn't I go? Because it's useless. Well, you must excuse me, because because I shall go, and that's all. You'll take me, won't you?" He said, turning to Dolokhov. "Why not?" Dolokhov answered absently, scrutinizing. "'the face of the French drummer boy. "'Have you had that youngster with you long?' he asked Denizov. "'He was taken today, but he knows nothing. I'm keeping him with me.' "'Yes, and where do you put the others?' inquired Dolokhov. "'Where? I send them away and take a sleep for them,' shouted Denizov, suddenly flushing. "'And I say boldly that I have not a single man's life on my conscience. Would it be difficult?' For you to send thirty or three hundred men to town under escort instead of staining, I mean, speak bluntly, staining the honour of a soldier? That kind of amiable talk would be suitable from this young count of sixteen, said Dolokhov with cold irony, but it's time for you to drop it. Why, I've said, I've not said anything, I only say that I'll certainly go with you, said Petya shyly. But for you and me, old fellow, it's time to drop these amenities, continued Dolokhov, as if he found particular pleasure in speaking of this subject, which irritated Denisov. Now, why have you kept this lad? You went on swaying, he said. Because you were sorry for him? Don't we know those receipts of yours? You send a hundred men away, and thirty get there. The rest either starve or get killed, so isn't it all the same not to send them? The Assault, screwing up his Light-coloured eyes nodded approvingly. That's not the point. I'm not going to discuss the matter. I do not wish to take it on my conscience. You say they'll die, all white. Only not by my fault. Dolokhov began laughing. Who has told them not to capture me these twenty times over? But if they did catch me, they'd string me up. "'To an aspen tree, and with all your chivalry just the same,' he paused. "'However, we must get to work. Tell the Cossack to fetch my kit. "'I have two French uniforms in it.' "'Well, are you coming with me?' he asked Petya. "'I—yes, yes, certainly,' cried Petya, blushing, almost to tears and glancing at Denizov. "'While Dolokhov had been disputing with Denizov what should be done with prisoners, Petya had once more felt awkward and restless.' But again, he had no time to grasp fully what they were talking about. If grown-up distinguished men think so, it must be necessary and right, thought he. But above all, Denisov must not dare to imagine that I'll obey him and that he can order me about. I will certainly go to the French camp with Dolokhov. If he can, so can I. And to all Denisov's persuasions, Petya replied that he too was accustomed to do everything accurately and not just anyhow. And that he never considered personal danger. For you, for you will admit that if we don't know for sure how many of them there are, hundreds of lives may depend on it, while there are only two of us. Besides, I want to go very much and certainly will go, so don't hinder me, said he. It will only make things worse. All right, there we go, another chapter for you. Uh Dolokhov—he's such a bad influence. He's such a—I'm um, to, to say—I keep thinking man's man when I speak. When I try to describe Dolokhov, he's just a, a bloody—he's a bloke. <laughs> he's an absolute bloke. All right, guys, have your say about the chapter, and I'll see you tomorrow.